Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Where to go from here? That's the question for the Colorado Rockies as they look to move forward from the first 100-loss season in franchise history. How do you do that is the question, and the man with some of the answers is the guy who led the Rockies to their only World Series appearance in team history. Clint Hurdle took some time out to join us this week and brought along his good buddy Thomas Harding of MLB.com too. It's a ton of great information from two of the best sources in Rockies country. It's all about rock climbing, and it's coming up next right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the families and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Manny, it was the, the year we kind of expected going in. We, we thought it would be a rebuilding season for the Rockies. It kind of panned out pretty much just like we thought it would. However, you said something really smart at the beginning of the season. You said the Rockies won't know what they have or what they need until they know what they have. So here we are postseason, having watched what we saw, a lot of, a lot of new blood and all, all new faces. Do we know what they have? And so do we know what they need? Yeah, so, so great question because that's really – the question for the Rockies right now, I think, right? It's, uh, uh, again, until you know what you really have, what do you, well, how do you build around that? Because of just a slew of injuries, that question is still unanswered, I think. Uh, Nolan Jones and, and Ezekiel Tovar were the two bright lights out of this season for the for, for the Rockies. Uh, we know it turned out to be the worst season record-wise in franchise history. But, yes, you know, this isn't a 104-loss team, even as currently constructed. It's basically, you know, a lot of injuries happen. That's true. They still have a long way to go. I think they got delayed a year in this progression of figuring out what they have for the most part, pitching-wise especially. And so this next year, 2024, is kind of going to have to be what 2023 was supposed to be 
with the hope that the injuries uh, don't just totally derail that again. And we're thrilled today to have Clint Hurdle, the great Clint Hurdle, 2007 NL pennant winning manager with the Rockies, longtime uh, Rockies manager and a person who's been with the organization a long time uh, in and around. So we're pleased to have him. He's with the club now again, with the franchise now again, particularly uh, with minor league development. We also have the great Thomas Harding of MLB.com. And uh, I, I, I told Thomas, you know, before we started this, um, I don't know what to expect from this podcast with, 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 now that we have these two on together, uh, but I thought it would be pretty fun. So first of all, thank you guys both. Uh, Clint, I'll, I'll turn to you first. First of all, thanks for being with us. And what? just, just give us your pre- preliminary thoughts on this uh, just completed Rocky season, kind of uh, spinning things forward and looking ahead, because that's really what I think Rockies fans are looking at. What's what's next? Well, thank thank you for having me and thank you for helping me establish more patience. Four times a charm that we all got on here. Um, yes. Thomas is laughing. Thomas, you have your hand raised on your screen, too. So Thomas must have a pressing question. No, I, I didn't even know I had my hand <laughs> raised. My hand is raised, but His I guess hand it's is always perpetually raised. Hardball yes. hardball, and I go way back. And there's probably way nobody back. I'd rather be on a podcast with than hardball. Well, we, um, we will second and third that one. Um, because uh, nothing, there's nothing like having Thomas on the podcast to share his wisdom and his cooking secrets, chicken cooking secrets. We need to know, know that before we get off. Let's, not get into, <laughs> let's get, not get into the chicken. He's hey, look. I was in the elevator there, coming there up to the press the box last week or the last week of the season. He's like, you know what? My wife told me. She said, she said, you know what? You've been talking to me on the phone for 35 minutes about chicken, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right, Thomas. This year's obsession, baked breaded chicken wings. Okay. That's anyway, it's working out. we already got off the rails, and yes. that's okay because we figured we would. But uh, so I'll go, I'll go back to Clint. Uh, Clint, um, you, you've rejoined the organization, um, recently, and 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 obviously, you're working with uh, the younger, the younger, uh, the prospects and and a lot of the, the, the guys coming up through the system. What do you, what, what are your thoughts on the current state of the Colorado Rockies? Let's just make it a broad question. Well, I, we're, we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, that's hard for probably some to understand coming off a 100-plus lost season. However, there's times, I've been in the industry a while, where teams have lost 100 games and had no vision. Teams have lost 95 games and had no vision. I, don't, I would not have walked back in this door unless I had heard a game plan and a vision and a, a, maybe an equation or a model we were going to follow, a template to – return to sustainability to win ball games to work towards the top of our standings in the division and to play October baseball. It's two years back now, 12 years gone. So, you know, that's a disclaimer. I was gone a long time. Uh, I actually got to see a lot of things from a different lens. Got to experience a lot of things from a different lens. Then being out of the game for two complete years, it kind of put me in, I was kind of Switzerland because I had old friends that were managing, coaching, Players reaching out to me, asking me thoughts, sharing thoughts and ideas, directions with me because I had no skin in the game. So I was able to not so much pick pockets, but to pick brains and mindsets and and protocols. So what we are doing is we are hoarding pitching. We uh, Two years ago, we decided the, the, the best way, the only way for us to get back is, is to is to own the altitude and, and to you know dominate on the mound. And the last two drafts significantly have been focused toward acquiring more arms. 
I think over 30 arms and 42 picks, something close to that. Uh, you can look it up. Um, the trade deadline for the first time in many years, from my understanding, we were very active. We moved salaries, we moved players, we moved experience, and we brought in more arms. Um, we needed to. You know, you mentioned the you know the injury list this year. Yeah, it was long, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because everybody gets injury lists. Ours couldn't have happened at a worse time because we didn't have pitching depth at the time. We were just starting to create it and, and trying to develop it. So we had an HOV lane going up to the big leagues for guys that we probably would have hoped to have a couple more months in AAA, a couple more months in AA, a couple more months in A ball. And that's the you know the, the I think Mark probably can can grab the chain of laddering. You know, a guy goes up from AAA to big league. The guy's got to go up from A ball to AA, AA to AAA. It works all the way up. So we poured a lot of poured a lot of time and effort and human capital this year on building guys and probably putting them in situations we kind of knew that were going to be hard and challenging. However, at the same time, we built a lot of sweat equity within the organization and the player development side. Guys got opportunities they didn't see coming. Yep. And people around them got to see guys move up. It wasn't all based on, well, you've got to dominate for two months or you've got to hit X or this many homers or your OPS. It had nothing to do with numbers. It had with, if you can repeat your delivery, we think you can throw strikes. If you got a wipeout pitch, we're going to move you. Um, Billy Schmidt uh, has had that focus since he walked in the door. We're trying to create that traction in player development in the minor leagues. And just so you know, I'm spending minimal time at the major league level. I go in every, about every six weeks to Denver and report. I may watch a four-game series. I may Sometimes I have been in for a week or I meet them on the road. It's not to be tied to the major league team. They've got people there doing that. We're trying to put me in a position where I think I can add my experience, my strength, my hopes of what I saw in the past. <laughs> and help develop these kids again. We're, they're, they're proud of the name on the front of the jersey, and they're going to honor the name on the back, man, and they're going to go get busy with it. They want to play in Colorado, and they want to win in Colorado together. Hey, Clint, you mentioned injuries, and everybody, you're right, everybody gets them, but it just appears, and maybe because we're too close to the situation, that there is more here, especially pitching-wise, than elsewhere. Uh, Gabriel Hughes, you know, at, at the, the top draft pick, gets hurt. Marcus gets hurt. It seems like all ends of the spectrum, we're having elbow injuries, we're having arm problems here. Uh, like you said, it happens everywhere, but does it happen here more? Are there other factors involved that we're not aware of why this keeps seem, seemingly happening? Well, this year it happened more to us than anybody else. This yeah, year. Exactly. But if you'll go back and t check a 10-year log, we were at the bottom of the list for Tommy John surgeries. Obviously, we've moved up a few spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a league-wide. It's, an, I mean, it's it, a baseball-wide problem. It's contagious. Yes, it is. And, you know, what we have identified, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. These are my opinions solely. When you're chasing elite velocity and you're chasing elite spin, you're putting a lot of, I mean, there's no such thing as a, you know, you talk about a high leverage inning. They're all high leverage pitches now, let alone innings. Yeah. They're maximum effort pitches every time a lot of these kids are grabbing a ball and firing it forward. We're trying to help recreate that mindset, develop deliveries, consistency deliveries. We brought Flint Wallace in from the ranch in Texas to help us with our analytical reads, with, with our, our measurements, with our drive line, with our track man, with our rep soto, as we're trying to catch up to a lot of other organizations. Steve Foster, who was in the big leagues for eight years, nine years of pitching, he's now the director of pitching down there. And we got Doug Linton as an old-fashioned pitching coordinator, tracking number of pitches, volume of pitches, innings. Mm -hmm. All those things. So we're putting more emphasis on pitching than it's ever been put on before. The history part of it, the injury part of it, yes, we took, we led the league. However, over a longer look, we haven't led the league. So do we think it's something 
that we started doing with these guys. I don't believe it's something we feel we've started doing, but it's something we're trying to help them monitor as well. Everybody goes home at the end of the season. And I'm not saying the pitchers are to blame either. I, I don't know. We're not trying to find any blame. We're just trying, trying to find a better way to do it. Pitchers go home. They have gurus or they have labs or they have places where they can go and pitch and work on things and create. What we are trying to do and what we are doing is building a lab in Scottsdale off our batting cages that we're going to have our own pitching performance center and a hitting performance center. So the kids, if they feel led, they can come spend the winter with us in those same type of scenarios and environments rather than paying somebody else. Yes, they'll be working with our people. Some people want a separation over the winter. We completely understand that. They're also paying people to watch them and to monitor them. This would bring them into our place where they can work together. And we're trying to reach out to whoever they've worked with in the past to understand the kids a little better. We're trying to build bridges, not walls, and find out what the history has been in backtracking, say, just for instance, a Cox, a Hughes, some of our young kids that we barely had in our grasp and come up and have Tommy John surgery. So we are doing all the investigating we can. We're not looking to lay blame. We're looking to find answers. Thomas, um, we've talked at length uh, with you and others on this podcast uh, about the 2023 season and kind of where the Rockies are, you know, the the philosophies, you know, going into everything and everything like that. So we're not going to need to rehash all that here, but you were just down in Arizona. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about what you, and maybe touch a little bit on obviously that the, what just happened in 2023, but again, spinning that forward to 2024 and the future what you saw down there, what the vibe was, what you felt uh, was happening. And because um, because that's really what everyone's going to be focused on now is like, where do the Rockies go from here? Well, first of all, I was nodding my head as Clint spoke, because a lot of what he is saying, he wasn't there when I was there. But everybody's kind of on the same page as they try to reassemble Humpty Dumpty here. And the issue is that kids are chasing velocity at a much younger age. They're, they're going to the various gurus to, to learn these things. And sometimes um, it's hard to tell a kid, hey, you need to modify your delivery because it's not if you're going to have Tommy John or a shoulder injury, but when. But I think that uh, the building of the lab is part of it. If they can all get on the on, on the same page here, um, it's not just pitchers, but also hitters. Some of the technology that, frankly, other teams have been ahead of the Rockies on, they're getting caught up on it. And I think uh, Flint Wallace has also put in some things where there is information out of the workouts even that's electronic that goes to everybody. So the Rockies are catching up in this. And you're right, this was a horrible string of injuries this year. And um, the guys that, that that had Tommy John this year, or at least um, I guess in the middle of the season, I think it was called the Bloody Sunday, where you had Gabe Hughes, um, Cox, and also Vargas. Yes. They all had sur surgery at the same time as Sensatella. It was a four-for-one special from the same doctor. You probably won't see those guys coming back next season, but you do see some of the guys that have had issues before, and they're starting to come back. And maybe those are the guys that if they stay healthy and correct their deliveries, Hell, Chris Olivares, um, McKay Brown, if they can learn what they need to learn, maybe those are the guys that Clint was talking about that, you know, you can be fast-tracked to the majors. Um, so I think that they're there is pitching there there is an attempt at depth right now it's numbers numbers can grow into depth by doing the right thing so this, this sounds painfully like what i go through at the high school level with between the club the club teams that have these 
10 and 12, 15, 14 year olds pitching thousands of innings and, and they show up to high school damaged goods. And they're, you know, the number one age for Tommy John surgery is 15 years old. So we deal with this the club situation, trying to get everybody on the same page, Clint, like you were talking about, is really hard because they have vested interests. They don't want, you know, the club guys, they want the money. They're going to have the kids all, all year. The high school coaches, wait a minute, I got a high school program here. It's not about money at the high school level. Uh, it's a it's a constant battle. And I think obviously the idea of having a, a lab or a central location, and I'll just tell you right now, my kids work with Jason Hirsch, your former player. I, I think, um, and we've had a lot of success staying healthy that way. I would suggest Jason be part of that because he's up on all of this kind of stuff. So if you can do that, if you can get everybody on the same page, that is going to go a long ways towards writing this ship on the mound, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and on, on, on that topic, I mean, it's a, like you guys mentioned, it's a, this is an industry wide thing, right? It's, I mean, this has become it's a game wide um, thing. Yep. It's become, this has become the norm. Um, and uh, many of us, myself included, lament the, the decline uh, or the, uh, the, the fast disappearing starter that will take you seven, eight, seven, eight innings, you know, half the times he goes out there, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, kind of shifting to the, the kind of 30,000 foot view. Clint, I'm curious. I think a lot of people have mentioned your name in the same sentence as um, motivation or glue or uh, kind of the, uh, you know, cohesive something, someone to maybe build some cohesive, a cohesive nature at, uh, at, at different levels throughout the organization that maybe haven't been there. Um, again, you've been back, like you said, two years um that's not a long time you're still i'm sure you're still taking notes in your mind every time you know you're out there with these guys um you know gathering information but um it seems like this is a team that is right now searching for an identity uh, a team that um you know you are the you're the only guy that can say that you helmed a team to the world series a uh, colorado rockies french uh, club to the world series Given where you guys were there, it's a long way, obviously, because different <laughs> roster, different various things. Um, what needs to happen right now? And what do you feel like you might be well suited to bring here uh, in given your role to get this franchise back to a place where it can compete consistently? Well, it's, you know, that's always humbling when people think that you can be more of a connector than a disconnector. Um, and truthfully, relationship building is one of my biggest assignments at the present time. And it's at the third floor at Coors when I go in. It's just putting some things together and getting some people real FaceTime and having conversations that are probably hard but need to be had. And are we honestly self-evaluating? Are we outsourcing and looking how other people do things? If we were going to start this all over, would we do it the way we're doing it now? Just trying to ask some different questions, some hard questions um, so we can honestly self-evaluate ourselves and pivot where we need to, hold on to what makes sense. You know, there's an old training uh, exercise. It's called red light, green light, yellow light. And I'm doing that in the minor leagues with the coaches, the trainers. What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? And what are we kind of doing? But we could probably improve upon it. Relation, relationship and trust, that's what's going to bring the players to the lab. And for two years, we've poured a lot of time and energy into the relationships with our young players. I'm not looking back again to lay blame. I don't know what happened. Everybody hurt, hears a lot of things, but you don't lose 104 games because of the team this year. You lose games because of what's happened in front of you. 
and pockets or, or what have you, and then the ex, the the actual injuries this year, those were a force multiplier. We knew the year was going to be hard. Next year is going to be hard. However, at the same time, we are spending more time with our players just so they understand the history, they understand the challenges. We're bringing the guys in that have done it. Uh, Billy Schmidt has reached out. De La Rosa's been in. Toriabla's been in. Barmas has been in. Um, Brad Hopp's been in multiple times. Helton travels with me through the minor leagues. Aaron Cook was just in an instruction league with Hopp. We're bringing in guys that have done it, and we're searching out for more. There'll be a different set of guys and more guys that will come in so they can share the experience, strength, and hope of what they learned the hard way, what didn't work for them. Because I think there's a lot of common fabric still in play. You look at the ball club that was put on – I'm not the major league guy, but if you look at the ball club that was on the major league field opening day, first the ball club that was put on the field the last game of the season at Coors Field, dramatic remake. Look at the defensive side of the ball, how much I think there was improvement. Look at the athleticism in the field. Look at the speed. Look at the outfield arms. Um, we were revisiting that strong up the middle thing that people used to talk about 100 years ago. You know, when you got a Diaz, when you got a Rogers, when you got a Tobar, you, when you got a Doyle, you got power bats on the corners, you know, Jones, uh, we can fill in it right. Um, but there's been multiple guys that went out there. You look at the corners. You know, we're going to find a way back. I still believe we're going to be a team that's going to look to pitch innings out of our starters because when you can use your bullpen, Mark knows this better than anybody, when you use your bullpen when you want to versus when you have to, Absolutely that's right. the magic. Absolutely right. And last year we used the bullpen when we had to way too much, and yep. in some of our minor league cities as well. Um, we are re not recreating, but we are looking to become a much more athletic club, a club that can really cover more ground. In that outfield that we've got, you saw it this year. Well, look at the young players that went up. It was I was very I was very happy to see Bouchard got healthy enough to come up again and show another big finish, a good finish. You got to see Goodman. We had the minor league player of the year in, in Hunter Goodman. We had the California League player of the year in Ryan Ritter, who you haven't seen. And we had we had the uh the Northwest League player of the year in Jordan Beck. Another you know, big hit and outfielder. But we've got pitching coming as well. Based on the volume that we took, we've got guys that are coming. They're not going to be ready next year. You know, they, they may be ready to 2026, late 2025, but we are pushing that way forward. And the cool thing about these kids is when they become when they become Rockies now, they know how hard it's been. It's kind of like when I went to the situation in Pittsburgh, 18 consecutive losing seasons. I thought I had a feel for it. Trust me, after losing two more years and making it 20 and have Vera Clemente say we can't have 21 losing seasons or mm. – I mean, my attention, that city, that team had my entire attention. We are getting our players' attention about the hard that we've had to do because it's going to be so much more meaningful and enjoyable when they are the ones that get to push this thing across the goal line for the fun times to start again, for Rocktober to come back in. You mentioned Hunter Goodman. Thomas, I want you to answer this as well. Um, there seems to be a glut of right fielders. I, I honestly – and this is not your deal, but I I was one. I don't understand resigning Charlie Blackman. I understand his history and all great he great he's been here and and so on and so forth. But you got a glut there. I mean, a glut there in first base. How, how are we going to do that? Are we going to see some guys? And this is as you know very well has not been the rocky way. Are we going to see some guys who maybe aren't past their prime or aren't expensive guys maybe on the trade block so so we can get some more pitching? I know you can't ever get enough arms. Will there be a chance that some of these guys that, that maybe still have a nice future ahead of them might see themselves in another uniform next year? 
Thomas, if you could answer that. And also, I, I wanted to follow up a, a little bit on Mark's question and add to that. Tell us about the Charlie Blackman yeah. uh, resign, because I think we've talked about this before. There are a lot of uh, underlying uh, positives or you know things that, that come out of that potentially for kind of the transition and having a veteran like veteran face of the franchise or former face of the franchise like that. Well, uh, first of all, I don't know that you have a glut yet. It would be great to have a glut of guys that are major league ready. But when you look at a guy like a, like a Jordan Beck um, uh, and Yankeel Fernandez, heck of a player. I think he was the top prospect in the Northwest league. They're still a step or so away. And I believe it is good to have a Charlie Blackman in there. Now you could argue about the amount that was paid to him, but obviously there are a lot of things that are involved in that. But let Charlie be there when guys are being introduced to the major leagues. I do believe that someone who, who believes in the Rockies, who, who has the Rockies way at heart, it makes a difference. I look at the Texas Rangers. They lost a lot of games last year, but, but they also brought in a bunch of veterans, not just to win games. They brought them in to kind of set a tone of how to be a professional baseball player. And I believe if you listen to guys like Nolan Jones, um, I believe that Charlie Blackman is a huge part of that. I mean, not signing him, I could see maybe what would happen. Would you rush one of these guys like a Jordan Becker or a Yankeel Fernandez to the major leagues? When they're ready, they'll tell you they're ready, and they will find a way to get them in but there. Still so, got, but you still got Michael Toglia. You still got Chris Bryant. You still got, you still got a bunch of guys out there that has to be pl- someplace to play all these people. Well, yeah. I mean, I, well, I think also, gotta, though, that with, with Charlie, it feels to me like Charlie's kind of almost like, and, and this is the guy that, that uh, Clint can speak to obviously as well. And he would know far better than I, if this is an apt comparison, but uh, Andrew McCutcheon with the pirates this past season, I mean, I, he wants to play again, obviously he got, he got hurt toward the end of the year, but uh, we don't know where he'll be next year, but Andrew McCutcheon, I remember when the pirates were here early this year, they faded quick, right. But they were off to that great start and it was exciting there for a while. I remember key Brian Hayes saying that we just, we're, we're, we're pretty good. We got a lot of young, good, good young players, we just didn't know how to win, uh, and we and we needed a little a little bit of that veteran president presence there, that Andrew McCutcheon and and guys with names like that and and reputations like that. And Charlie Blackman seems to be that guy here. Um, uh, so I'm curious to 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 know what you think about the Blackman re-signing, uh, Clint, and also that kind of ability of a guy who's been there and done that and who has that kind of reputation and that almost prestige in the clubhouse can help younger guys transition in. Well, I've seen it happen in a, in a couple different venues. I saw it happen, truthfully, in 07. People, people they cling to 07. Uh, everything started at the end of the 06 season when Aaron Cook threw a shutout and our entire club went off the field and congratulated and hugged and shook hands out on the field based on the second half of the season, the participation, the cohesion, guys figuring it out at the major league level, starting to be more confident, starting expecting to win when they came to the park. Instead of just, okay, I get to play a big league game. Let's see what I can learn today. But there was the big talk over the winter about trading Mike Lowell for, for Todd Helton. And everybody got trips. You know, it's kind of like college. Everybody got to visit camp- campuses and people flew around and talked to people. And <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, Todd finally took it upon himself to walk into the office and say, hey, if you guys want to trade me and you really think it'll help, you know, go ahead. I just wanted you to hear from me. I prefer to stay here. I would prefer to win here. It would mean much more if we won here together than, than if I won somewhere else. 
And I know those young guys pretty well, and I'm expecting them to do good things, and I'm expecting them to make me a better player. I mean, that was a conversation that was had over the winter. It played out through the course of the year. You know, there is value at that at times. Uh, I saw it happen in Pittsburgh when it wasn't Andrew McCutcheon, but it was A.J. Burnett and it was Russell Martin that we brought in. We brought in two guys, and if you you invited them to a fist fight, they got knives somewhere. They're not going to lose a fight. And, and they gave us an edge. They gave the players that didn't have an edge an edge. They gave players that had an edge a bigger edge. So if Charlie's that guy, those guys, those guys do have value. Grady Little, Grady Little said, said it one time to me. He, he said the one thing that's, that's always the hard part when you got a guy like this that loves being in the organization, that loves being around. The numbers say he produced pretty well last year. I, you know, I believe in Charlie. Char- but I've also had some guys older on that it's tough when you get hit by a falling star every once in a while, too. You know, that's what you got away. We, we our, our organization waited. They made the decision. That's been done. Now we got to go make it the right decision based on what Charlie can do. You know, the intangibles that he brings, the skill set he still brings. And we do have a volume. We have a volume of players that can yep. fit similar roles. And I don't think for a second that Bill Schmidt would turn his back on making the team better trading from strength. We have strength in outfield. We have strength at shortstop. We have strength behind the plate. Yep. Those are the three areas of player development that we have. We have. I throw, I throw first. Field. I throw first base in there too. Well, I was going to run into that because a lot of the first basemen's play you know, play a little play a little outfield. Yep. Um, but you're exactly right. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, I do know that the young guys that I spent time with, I I know for a fact Nolan. I know for a fact Doyle. Um, and I know Toglia, you know, they, Charlie could be a mentor at times, but it was also, you just watch Charlie, watch Charlie work, watch how he works, watch how he prepares. Um, Cause you have leaders that are vocal and you have leaders that lead by action. So I don't know a perfect fit, but I knew though there was interest on both sides. I heard what Charlie had to say. And I, I know that we had an interest to get him back. It's just time for that decision has been made, make it the right one together, move forward, find out who can play, who's ready to play. And if they're not ready to play, you know what? There's other teams out there going to have needs for the people that we have. And maybe there is a fit to bring in more arms. Um, like, for example, a lot of those guys did get a chance this year. What you want is a strong enough roster to where you're not just seeing what a guy can do. You want to make him earn his spot in the major leagues. And I think that's what happened with Nolan Jones. That's what happened with uh, Brenton Doyle, uh, Tolly at the beginning. Look at... Hilarious Montero, who went down a couple of times, and at the end he earned his spot. So rather than clear out your vet, clear out all of your veterans, they, and they and what happened when those guys were proved ready, they did clear out the veterans for them. I think letting go of Charlie before really knowing whether it's Tolia, whether it's Bouchard, whether it's Beck or Fernandez, really knowing that they were major league players would have been a mistake. But as Clint said, you have a you you can still do some things now because of the depth that you have there, and uh, and I like that Clint brought up shortstop and catcher. It's almost as if we we do look at the corner outfields, but but there is really growing depth of those positions in the minor league level, and I spent a lot of time down in uh, Scottsdale talking about that with folks. I, I I'll, I'll I'm going to reverse course here from my my stance now, and throw it back to what you guys just talked about on the mound. Kyle Freeland's coming back. We don't know about the other guys who've been hurt, but there still is a need in this rotation. If they're going to be competitive next year, there's going to be a need in the rotation, right? 
<laughs> I wrote this today, and Clinton, since you're my newest Twitter follower, and I appreciate that, by the way, I'm going to throw a name at you guys, and and uh, that fits into this something to prove, hard hard ass veteran, et cetera, et cetera. Trevor Bauer's a free agent. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's been no time out now. He's been cleared of all. He's been cleared of all charges. Oh right? uh, man, I, I did not I, see I know, that coming. Listen, I understand this is not a reputable human being. I get all that. Okay, I understand this is a guy that you wouldn't want to have probably be your next door neighbor. Okay. I get all that. However, if we're talking about win at all costs, or we're talking about have bring a guy who'd bring a knife fight, to, a knife to a fist fight, a guy with a chip on his shoulder, the size of Pike's peak, something to prove low cost, one year, two year deal, former Cy Young winner. Tell me why, tell me why not. Other than the character stuff that I know are, is extremely important to the organization. I get all Look, that. I, I'll just, uh, I'll just say this. I'll just say, just what I think about it. And obviously mm -hmm. everyone else, you know, please jump in, but the character stuff's enough to me. I mean, I just don't, the, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, whether, whether the guy's guilty of whatever was alleged but or what have just, you. We can just say but, he's, he's but, a bad guy, but, right? We know. He's but a let's bad just guy. say, let's just say this. There hasn't, there's not a good track record there, not only with regard to the stuff off the field, but even maybe with the stuff on it. Oh, I, um, I agree. As far as in the clubhouse, and I just don't see the Rockies. What do you guys think? I just don't see the Rockies doing it. I've not been asked the question. I would, I would like to think that there would be an exhaustive search before his name got brought up. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to find some things you don't want to hear about, I'm sure. I, no, I'm talking about an exhaustive search for other players. Oh, yes, players. that too. That yeah. too. Well, I, I do know this. I mean, let's talk about what happened before any of the latest stuff happened. Right. And is that the guy you want as you're creating a new environment? Do you want that kind of, Everything's contagious in the game. Good behavior is contagious. Bad behavior is contagious. Energy is contagious. Yep. So from my standpoint, I, I think that you're – that probably is – if I'm the one making the decision, that's probably one, again, that I'm going to look every every other place first. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll jump in with this too, is that – if you look at this team, and as Clint has said, and I like that the organization is saying these things, that next year is going to be tough, too. So you're trying to build something. It's not like he's the one piece that's going to get you right. to the World Series. Absolutely. I think that 100%. you may be able to bypass some things in that. Um, now, I, I, I'm going to say this also because having been around this game a long time, I have never spoken with Trevor Bauer. If the Rockies are serious about it and they speak to him, I think that's where that's where it'll have to come out because there have been a lot of guys whose reputations have been thrown under the bus. I mean, look at the Arizona Diamondbacks and how some folks don't like Tommy Pham. Everywhere he's gone, he's been a winning player. So, you know, it, it's really hard to read a bunch of stories. And I write a bunch of stories. It's really hard to read a bunch of stories and make that judgment straight off. Now, there, there are some things that are a matter of public record, though, that do yep. concern me. But if, if I were the Colorado Rockies, I think that I would not entertain this because if he's the one piece to put you in the World Series, fine. But you look like you you look like you're building a bunch of pitching here. Guys are going to come back from their injuries. Um, and, and also you you do have some surpluses or maybe some depth pieces. I won't say surpluses because you need them all. You do have some depth pieces that you could make a trade and get somebody that that fits some of your description there and maybe will be here two, three years from now. Um, that makes sense. I think one of the 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 elephants in the room and maybe there are more than one elephant uh with the Colorado Rockies right now but the feeling right now I I I I I gather around this team from the outside looking in anyway whether it's fans or just 
you know, casual observers may be, is this team finally breaking loose, jarring loose from that kind of stagnant uh, pattern that was going on, I think, between 20, uh, let's say 2020 and 2022, 2023, where, you know, after Nolan Arenado parted, it seemed like that was kind of the end of an era and it was kind of like, okay, that whole thing, we, you know, we're putting that behind us now, but they, it doesn't seem like they exactly started moving forward until maybe right around the, you know, halfway point of 2023 when a lot of the younger guys started playing. Clint, to you first, uh, being the um, person you are in this organization, what you've meant to it um, and, and your stature within really the annals of Rockies history, you've seen the, the, the top of the top, for this club and and you've seen from the outside um while you're away from the from the team really the maybe rock bottom um although i know that's an overused term where do you see this team in terms of finally gathering some momentum to move forward in a positive direction that might start establishing that identity that winning culture that is so hard to get anyway just at altitude well you know we're, we're rock climbing did I met that? See what I did there? See, I played that. We're, we're I, rock. Yeah, this is audio, but if you know, if Thomas you don't see Clint, he's, he's Thomas using will steal that now. Of course, Thomas is going to steal that now. Of course, Thomas can, Thomas can have it. You know, there's <clears throat> there used to, I used to have a sign in, in one of my offices, and it, and it set up in the, the corner. And said that thud you heard was my ass hitting the floor. Time to get up. And I think that's probably appropriate for the fans thinking, okay, this is the worst year ever. How many organizations are there still out there that haven't lost a hundred games? Rockies will last. So into not having won 100 or lost 100. So there's probably still some that haven't lost 100. It's, in a, it's inevitable. And at the end of the yep. day, I mean, there was how many teams that lost 100 games two years ago? So yeah, there's been a plan put into place. Nobody's been able to really see what we've been doing in the minor leagues for two years other than people that maybe follow it closely. And that's fair. However, there has been a shift in thinking. There's been a shift in focus. We've gone for two years to not to have one way to pitch, we have put more focus and attention in our pitching program than ever before. And I've seen it happen for two years. We had a pitching summit last year in January in Scottsdale. We had a pitching hit, a hitting summit the year before. We are looking to go get pitchers that some are going to work at the top of the zone. Some are going to work east and west. Some are going to work north and south. Some are going to throw more than 50% spin. Some are going to throw less than 50% spin. But we're meeting p- pitchers probably where they are for the first time, better than ever for the first time, as we're looking to find different skill sets, we're looking for arm slots in the bullpen to fill up a clock. You know, if it was if it was three o'clock to nine o'clock, you're looking for different arm slots as well. We're seeing that in the postseason right now, by the way. We've seen a lot of that, particularly with the D-backs. They, they go, you know, from every arm slot imaginable. Well, you're looking for authenticity, but you're also looking for uniqueness and then obviously high skill sets. There's been work underground. There's been work, you know, I think Bill actually used the term, you know, it's kind of like watching bamboo grow. There's no growth for a long time, and then there can be incremental great growth, right? You've all heard it. But it's a true thing with bamboo. We are trying to get our players to push this thing up from from the bottom of the player development position up all the way to the big leagues. Easiest thing to do is get there. They're finding out harder thing to do is stay there. So quite frankly, end of the day, if I didn't think we could do this, I wouldn't be here. I have no desire to be here. Zero. I, I, I'm not going to work to work. I don't need to work to work. I have a passion for the city of Denver. I have a, my kids are born there. We've got people we love there. The ball, the, the, you know, the organization has been good to me. Loyalty is a good thing. Blind loyalty is no good to anybody. So I don't have blind loyalty. I believe in what we're doing. And now that I spent two years with these kids, I spent time with the scouts. 
I spend the week with the scouts as we're putting that draft board together before they make their picks. I have a better feel than I ever did for what goes on behind the curtain. I've watched the least amount of Rockies games ever than in the, in the last two years because I'm watching minor league games. I may watch more big league Rocky games when I wasn't even a Rocky. So I believe in what we're doing. I know it's going to be, it's hard work. It's heavy lifting. Um, it's kind of like you ever moved a car off the side of the road, a dead car. You, Thomas, your car ever stopped on the side of the road. How hard is no, that yeah. to push? That is the, that is difficult. To, to, to Clint's point, I mean, I, I wasn't here during the 07 run. I've been here about seven years now. But the fan base here, and I watched from afar when this when the when the when the when they got the, the major league team here, the fan base here is incredible. I mean, from that from day one to now, I'm talking to Larry Walker, he said, I really, you know, and you could tell. I mean, Clint, you've known the guy for a long time. You can tell. Uh, he's a sincere guy, but you can really tell when he really means something. And he says, I just really hope before I, or I'm not on this earth anymore, that there's a parade down Blake street. And that's a guy who hasn't been in a Rocky uniform as a player for, you know, for 20 years. But and yet he feels like he, he feels bad that they didn't get it done while he was in a Rocky uniform. And I think that that's a real, if it's a real sen palpable sense that this fan base deserves that parade. And, and it's, it comes out in what you're saying as well. Thomas, Take us under the bamboo. Same question to you. Uh, is this organization finally moving in a significant way in a you know direction that we can see that there's a, an identity forming soon and we're going to this is a team that is going to be competitive three or four years down the line? Well, this takes me back to my experience with those earlier teams because I got here in 2000. And I remember the Rockies, they were always criticized for always changing. By the way, Hardball, if, if, for those of you who are uninitiated, yes. Hardball is a nickname that was uh, bestowed upon you by Clint Hurdle early on in your career covering the Colorado Rockies. I just wanted to say that because I know some of our listeners are going to be listening. They're going to be like, what? What's Hardball? What's going on here? Thomas is, Thomas, Thomas is not a Hardball type of guy. We don't feel like. Anyway, continue. Okay. So, you know, the, and the team went through a tough period. And if you were paying attention, and I remember it goes back to my early days here when Michael Hill was the, you know, was the um, player development guy. And he was telling, telling me about guys that they had drafted that weren't that high. These guys are going to be major leaguers. You're starting to hear that come back. It, it, it took a while to get there back in those days. My thing about the Rockies, because of the difficulty in developing pitchers, is that it is probably going to happen that they're going to be competitive. But we're not going to see it coming. It's not like the fans could say, okay, gee, I see this, and in six years, we're going to compete. It'll probably happen. Usually it happens sooner than you think unless they hit, hit a stage of spinning their wheels. I, I do think they hit a stage of spinning their wheels. The communication throughout the organization was not there. I believe that if um, the organization hadn't changed, Clint wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be here with Bill Schmidt and those guys. I, I just feel like, yeah, they're doing some things right. It's going to take a bit. Uh, and, and it's probably going, um, I guess if I'm a Rockies fan, hopefully it's shorter than I think it's going to take. It's going to take a bit to get there, but I think some of the right things are happening down in, down in the lower parts of the organization under the bamboo. And by the way, Clint, you beat me to it. I was going to bring that up first. <laughs> Clint, we've but been talking, me and Thomas have been talking about bamboo for days approaching this uh this this podcast so we were i was pleasantly <laughs> surprised that it came up before we brought it up thrilled that it happened but clint, clint is that the only way this happens for this team we don't see it coming is it going to be like 07 if they're going to make another run like this is it going to be 21 out of, i mean it's not going to be 21 you, yeah. out of 22 well, but is it going to be that is that the only way this happens 
let me interject right here. We probably won't see it coming unless we're really paying attention. I think that, um, like from talking to people, the end of 06, Kelly McGregor saw it coming. Bill Schmidt saw it coming. Clint Hurdle saw it coming. We did not. So, so I'm going to add that okay. in there. But okay. and I'll back out of this. I, th I think that the beauty of sport, you, you can have 100 people write 100 different stories. And none of those are going to show up. And that's the story that happens. Sport writes itself. Seasons write themselves. Look at the seasons that have already played. Look, this year for certain teams, as I said, how many teams lost 100 two years ago and they made the playoffs this year? There is an incredible amount of optimism from the people that need optimism the most right now, and that's the players in uniform down below. This fan base, second largest season attendance of any team losing 100 games in the history of baseball. The fans need to be applauded Amazing. every night to show up. The fans have been incredible. I went through that period where we had X amount of sellouts. You know, it was us and the Indians selling out every night, 400, 500, whatever it was. And then I went through the hard periods at the end of 90, 99 where people stopped showing up. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that always gets people's attention in sports. If you own a team, that's what gets managers fired at the end of the day, when people stop showing up. One of the reasons you can get fired. The fans continue to show up, and I, and I, and I think we're all thankful for it. I do think that their pain brings immediate attention to specific areas. And what we've had to go through the last two seasons at the major league level, really kind of we were awakened before that, but then we saw it play out. And now we're more committed ever to, to grow this thing the way we believe it needs to grow. We got to get pitching. We got to get pitching. We need athleticism. Again, you know, you talked about a view and a team identity. We want to play, we want to play clean baseball. I said it back when I was managing in Pittsburgh. I was able to say it in Colorado. You know what would be really cool is when you can be a, a little league coach and you can bring your team to a game and say, watch how these guys play yes. ball. Because you can't do that many places. Yeah. Ask Mark. Yeah. It's not Little League, but it's high school. He brings his guys. Well, it's pretty close to Little League. Um, we gotta <laughs> let you guys go, but Clint, before we, before we do, first of all, thanks again for, for doing this. But that, that period Thomas was talking about, early 2000s, was the marketing department came up with Gen R, Generation R. And it took them a while and took you guys a while and you got there. But they were embracing the rebuild at that point. We've we've not been able to use that word around here. You can't say the word rebuilding. Just It's the Rockies and the Broncos. You can't say rebuilding, even though we all see it coming. Are the Rockies, as an organization, going to do what you've done very nicely here today openly say hey we're building we're rock climbing we're we're, we're developing this it's it's going to be a struggle but we're going to get there um is there a way to do that that doesn't turn off the fan base the way it did in the mid-2000s when attendance went down well you know i think if you're worried about turning off the fan base you've probably already turned them off um i think anybody what? in this space we live in now everybody has a forgiving a forgiving button tell me the truth Tell me the mistakes you made or tell me what we haven't done wrong. Tell me the vision. Tell me where we're going. And you know what? I'll decide whether I want in or out. But we need clarity. And one of the things we're trying to share, you know, through our player development program is clarity with the players, meeting them where they are. Clarity with the affiliates, the ownership people that we got coming in. We told the guys in Spokane early on, you're going to have a really good team to start the season. I'm not so sure what it's going to look like if everything plays out at the end of the season. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's minor league baseball in and of itself. Yep. Um, and I do know that that as a fan, I'm a Detroit Lion football fan. Thomas knows this. I've been 65 years or 61 years I've been a Detroit Lion football fan. Wow. There's There's been so many years of hard, so many years of disconnect, so many years of maybe a, a void here, a void there. This new guy came in, and everybody thought he was crazy, right? 
But he had a vision and he had a thought and he was looking for people to get on board with him. But what he did, what he also did, he talked early, then he shut up and then he started performing. And we lost a lot of games the first two years. But he was building that human capital and that sweat equity with the people. You know, I, I really believe that for our fans, we want to we want to put their human capital. We want them to know they count, know they matter. And the sweat equity that we're putting in down below, we want to get that product up there where they can be loud and proud and wave those flags. I mean, you want to get some goosebumps, go to, go look through the playoff stuff. We show it to our players what Coors Field can look like, what it has looked like, how our fan base shows off. Well, so, Philadelphia, what's happening in Philadelphia right now? Yeah. I feel like that's what 07 looked like from what the outside. I got oh, turn it up. Turn it up a notch. Come yeah. on, Philly, Denver, turn it up a notch, man. Yeah. Yeah. 07, what what you see in Philadelphia, they've had it before. They love it, and they are incredible fan base. Turn it up a little bit more, and you've got 07 Denver. That's the thing about Coors, man. What a home field advantage that can be when you're playing well there. You know, I mean, just yep. unbelievable. Thomas, for the road, give us a Clint story. Come on, let's have one. Well, this is good. Oh, this got to be good. This got to be good. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So you're going to have to let. You're going to so have to let. You're going to have to let Clint give us a Thomas story too, though. Okay, well, yeah, if he's up for it, we'll we'll have Clint give you. Well, <laughs> well I I, I but, think but maybe I'm, hardball where hardball came this. from. Because there's well, got to be a story from well, that. Well, no, no, right? no. Here's one that that kind of gets into what we're talking about today. Perfect. There was a time when the Rockies were really struggling, and the fans had stopped showing up. The 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 um, attendance had dropped, and Clint was the voice was the willing voice for the organization. I mean, most managers they want to talk about baseball. I can remember pregame where Clint is talking about how the cleaning crew makes sure the place is clean, how they have the friendliest ushers. And it wasn't just he was saying it. He knew all of them by name. And I remember I I think I had this conversation with Troy Rink and they're like and we're like, man, he is the Pied Piper for the organization. But it was what was needed at the time. And and, and, and that's what you're saying right now, Thomas, the voice of the organization, man, you just hit it. I feel like that is what's been missing a voice to the outside world from from within that that the Rockies and Bill Bill talks about it sometimes like people don't see what's happening. But, well, yeah. let us know what's happening. You know what I mean? Clint, Clint would probably agree with me on this. I think that that void might not be here if Kelly McGregor had not passed. Maybe somebody steps up. Maybe we find that Manny. Maybe somebody becomes that voice. But that certainly was Kelly McGregor when he was with us. Well, hey, man, I'm going to tell you my Thomas story, though. We're going to please. Gonna... Jump around, please. <laughs> Thomas and I, we have a lot of common fabric outside of baseball. Hockey's probably yes. our second. Pittsburgh, goal. Pittsburgh, baby. Thomas loves him some penguins. Yes, he sure does. Loves him some penguins. He Talk sure about does. someone who suffered for a long time. Yes. Question, yeah, real, 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 real quick question though, Thomas. Penguins or soccer? Had to choose one. Well, the Penguins are my team now. I have I've adopted Manchester United, but the Penguins were. I turn <laughs> over my paper. Um, in first grade and draw Les Binkley, the goalie, on the back of it. So That's the answer right there. That's good. But yeah, Clint, picked, I, I, I think picked, I know where this is going, but let, let Clint finish this one. If he would have picked soccer, he, he would have had nobody to play with because I didn't start right. watching soccer until That's Ted right. Lasso started teaching it. You're right. My, yeah. My, my, yeah, my first soccer here, here. team was Ted Lasso's team. So here, here. I'm not your soccer guy. But we would talk about, we would talk about hockey because I was born outside of Detroit. I'm a, a Detroit kid across the board, all four sports. We started finding different ways to engage. And I can remember the day we finally went out there. Thomas is probably working at least maybe two jobs, three jobs. I don't know. He's got a baby. He's trying to make ends meet. I've been around Colorado a little bit, so I'm, I'm 
you know, I got a savings account. You know, I'm 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 getting paid here. I'm I'm blessed. So we decide to bet a jersey, a hockey jersey. I've heard this on, story on the game, and a, you know, an NHL hockey jersey. This is great. And when the game came down and the game was played, my boy lost. And when he delivered that jersey, and I think it was that suit, wasn't it? Yes, it was that suit because we had talked about Gordy Howe, and you, you and are, are you going to tell the story of actually seeing me buy that jersey, almost with tears in my eyes? That's the point. We had to go and watch him whip out. I mean, he had lawnmower money from back in the day. He had paperboy money from back in the day. He put that money down on that table That's for awesome. that little that red white that red white jersey with number thirteen on the back of it. I swear, the bottom lip was trembling. There was tear in his eye, but he manned up and he he paid off. My my man yes. paid off. I, I'll tell you what. I, I thought when I when I called home and said what I did, and I, I had mentioned in the bet before. And when I called home and said what I did, I thought I was going to de get designated for assignment on the spot. In fact, so that was um that was 08, right? Because the Penguins beat the Red Wings in seven games in 09. I wanted to make that bet, but I was forbidden, and I never got that Mark Andre Fleury blue Penguins jersey because I There's just always couldn't a cost. do it at that time. There's but always yeah, a cost. No, Clint, Clint looks at me. It was. It was $178. It was on sale. It was the postseason sale because the Rockies had gone to Joe Lewis, to, had gone to Detroit, and there was a postseason sale. In fact, Clint, <laughs> during his pregame, he looks and goes, Thomas, I saw an ad in the paper for the sale. I'm like, oh, God. So, so yeah, no, I did it, and I remember Clint looking at me, and I'm thinking, is he going to let me off? He goes, Thomas, I know you don't have the money for this, but I love a man who pays off his bets. <laughs> Unbelievable. And since then, Thomas has nearly classic. been designated for assignment multiple 1,700. <laughs> Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. We really loved having you guys. Thank you on. guys. Really, uh, thank really you appreciate you doing this. Good, good stuff to go into the off season with Thomas. You stay clean. Uh, Clint, thank you very much. Let us know when you're back in town. And, and again, thanks for the Twitter follow. I, I appreciate that. I'm uh, learning from you. I'm learning from you, Mark. Yeah, well, it's on. No. If you're not following Clint Hurdle, thirteen man. That's right. On uh, on Twitter, I, X, it, whatever. It is outstanding. My wife and I were were reading some of them from yep. a fantastic. few days ago. <laughs> fantastic stuff. All right, guys. Manny, you got a closer for us? I don't know how I can follow. You got to find a way to close this out. innings by these two guys. Got to so. find a way. Manny right. finds a way right after this. Stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We'll be back. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. The Rockies have been in this nebulous and seemingly directionless place since the Nolan Arenado trade in 2020. Colorado is coming off the worst season in franchise history in terms of record, losing 103 games in 2023. But is the tide finally turning? As the fall of the Rockies from back-to-back postseason appearances in 2017 and 18 intensified, there wasn't a true voice connecting the organization to the fan base. Then our guest on this week's podcast, former Rockies manager Clint Hurdle, was brought back into the fold. Is he that voice? And more importantly for the future trajectory of the franchise, is he the voice from within to serve as the glue that brings cohesion through all levels of the organization as it enters a new chapter with young players hoping to become the core for the next competitive run? Only time will tell, but given his personality and his pedigree, he is, after all, the only one 
who can say that he guided the Rockies into the World Series back in 2007. There may be no one better suited to fill that role, which seems to have been vacant for many years. Clint brought up an important point on the podcast about rekindling a competitive culture, bring back guys who have been successful, particularly pitchers. And that's what the Rockies appear to be doing. With names like De La Rosa and Cook being brought back, there's a sense that there's some wisdom being dispensed for players in a uniquely challenging environment. As general manager Bill Schmidt likes to say, you've got to look under the bamboo. Well, we're lifting it now, and it remains to be seen just what we'll ultimately see. But Clint Hurdle may very well be an important connective conduit for it all to come together. Manny finds a way to bring it all home again, putting the wraps on this special edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to the one and only Thomas Harding of MLB.com and former Rockies manager and special assistant Clint Hurdle for sharing so much of his insider information and expertise. Great stuff to take into the offseason. And as always, thanks to you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.